And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Toysaholic in the house. Hey, can you hear me okay? Absolutely. I'm excited that you're on the podcast because you have three separate lives that I've seen in three different Instagrams. Yes. And we're going to cover all three of them for sure. That's why I said it might be a long show. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into it. So, but let's let's start with the the basics top down. Toysaholics. Okay. That it's like an alcoholics anonymous sounding name, and I love that toysaholics. Yeah. Okay. Where's the name come from? Okay, so um, like uh, like uh, Billy Crystal and the Princess Bride. I'll explain. No, it's too long. I'll I'll sum up. <laughs> um, so I got a friend. We call him Uncle Lego, and okay. he's been my friend for a long time. He taught me molding and casting. And the first time I went over to to his house, um, you know, I went down in his basement, showed me his collection, and I'm like. Um, Ron, you, you got a problem. This is this isn't a collection. This is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're a toysaholic, and I just kind of coined that that phrase. And then um, a couple of years down the road, him and a bunch of his friends decided to do a toy show, and I wanted in. And he's like, "Well, Scott, we're not going to cut five five ways when we've got it four ways." And I'm like, "Well, this is when I was doing graphic design. Mm. Um, I was like, well, let me design the logo, let me design the branding, and so." Toysaholics came back up. I'm like, we got to call the show Toysaholics. Because here's the thing. If you're a 45 or 50-year-old man and you're walking through the toy aisle at Target or Walmart or whatever, and you don't have a kid with you, you've got a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, is, you know, this is not a hobby. This is an addiction. Uh, you should be in a 12-step group. And no yeah. offense, my grandmother was an alcoholic. No offense to any alcoholics out there. It's not meant to, to be a slam or a slight on that. It's just there are toy collectors out there who this is an addiction. This is mm-hmm. not a, a, a hobby. So that's in a nutshell is where the name Toysaholics came from. And if we pause for the cause for a second, I just realized you're wearing the Toys on Tap shirt. So I am points for that. I love Thanks, it. Thanks, man. I got it in the mail the other day. I was like, oh man, I hope I get it before we do the podcast. I hope we do it before we do the podcast. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. uh, you so you you come up with that name and you said something interesting about graphic design. So do you mm-hmm. find before we enter into when you started doing toys, did you begin in graphic design work in the digital world? Well, way back in the day, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. I was, yeah. born in, well, I was born in 72. Do the math. Um, I'm coming up on 50. Okay. Um, so I always wanted to be a comic book artist. And when I went to college, I wanted to study drawing illustration. And I realized when I, in my first year, I wasn't going to make a living doing this. I, mm. I'm good. I'm okay at it. I'm good at it. Uh, I can copy stuff verbatim 
But as far as coming up with original concepts and viewing perspective and stuff like that, it just wasn't going to happen. So, but what I did love was Photoshop. Mm -hmm. And so I shifted gears when I was in college into graphic design and made a living doing graphic design for about five years. And then just got tired of clients with like, well, there's more white space we could be using on the page for this flyer. Fill that white space up, not knowing, hey, you got to have positive negative space and I want to use every font I have. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be using every font on a flyer. More fonts is not good. Yeah. Um, And I just got tired of educating them. So, um, and I wasn't making a living. I did do some um, magazine ads. I did some branding. I did some work for McDonald's, that kind of stuff. But I just couldn't get enough enough clients because life got in the way. I didn't get my degree. Mm. Without that piece of paper, the doors were closed. Okay. Which is a bummer because it seems like you had already started developing so much experience right there mm-hmm. that it like that piece of paper should have never stopped. Well, when I, when I went to school, when I, when I was supposed to graduate, didn't graduate, what they wanted was they wanted graphic designers to also be web designers. Oh. They wanted you to do everything and they wanted to pay you nothing for it. Mm-hmm. And I am not a coder in any way, shape or form. I have no interest in doing code, typing code, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, no, I'm not going to do web design. And then it's like, as a web designer, every six months, you've got to learn a new language. And I'm like, I admire these guys who do it, but I can't. Yeah. When I remember what was crazy when I was little, um, my dad wanted to develop some kind of a website. So he paid a web designer. Mm -hmm. And what's funny. And then, because now at work, they wanted us to build a website for something that we did. And we just used, uh, one of the companies that makes it easy. I can't remember. Like WordPress where it's like drop and play templates. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's what I would do too. And that's what I was like, yeah, okay. And then somebody was like, why don't you just, you just uh, charge people to do that. And I'm like, that just seems wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Taking advantage of people's like, you can do this shit yourself. Yeah. You're going to pay me an absorbent amount of money to do it for you. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, Okay. So you, you start uh, kind of in that space, which you also have dated yourself a little bit, and I have to ask a question. Sure. I've seen one in my lifetime, a Photoshop, when it first came out, floppy disk. It was started on a floppy. Is that where you started? <laughs> yes. Uh, there, was definitely, there was definitely disks back in the day, and what I can tell you is when I went to college, we did not pay for Photoshop. Oh, <laughs> somebody would Somebody would clone the disk, clone the code, hand them out, no problem. This was before everything was hooked up to the internet now it's like you can't even if you even if you have one of those old discs you can't use it because because as soon as your computer hooks up to the internet adobe shuts it down yeah and they're like your photo your photoshop is out of date please go please subscribe which is okay because honestly it's like 10 20 bucks a month to subscribe to it versus paying the 8.95 for the lifetime license and i'm okay with that yeah. Yeah. I remember being in college and there was a YouTube video that was out that said, if you download this driver and this, you can download Photoshop illegally. Mm-hmm. And I for sure did it. I, Adobe, yeah. it, it is what it is. But then I, I remember getting an Adobe account for something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it worked, but it like searched my computer and mm-hmm. shut some stuff down. Yep. And I had to then start paying for it, which is, I mean, yeah. just my it's- own stuff. I mean, I'm back, I'm from back in the day when there was Napster, we were downloading music and software yep. and movies and you name it. And, uh, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a C and D from Sony for downloading something. I think it was the Aquaman <laughs> movie. 
And they're like, if you did this, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't do this, but check in, or if you do this again, we're going to cancel your internet subscription. And I'm like, at that point, I'm out. Aquaman yeah. wasn't worth it anyway. Yeah. You should frame the C&D though. Like that's what's worth it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you, you, we are, you made like graphic designs and you did that and, uh, and you went from there and you wanted to design the logo for the show. So somewhere in there, you started designing toys of your own. Oh, well, that's a different, that's okay. Sherman, yes. let's set, Sherman, let's set the Wayback Machine for the early 90s. Okay? There we go. This com- company called Sideshow Toys comes along and they start making 12 inch figures of like universal monsters and stuff. Um, this is when I re- re- the, met my friend, Ron, who we know is Uncle Lego. Um, he was involved in a model club back in the day. There were garage kits and, uh, you know, resin kits of universal monsters, whatever. This is before yeah. 3d printing guys would sculpt them, cast them in their basement using pressure pots, sell them. Well, we came up with the idea cause this was back when Toys R Us and Hasbro was still making 12 inch GI Joe figures mm-hmm. and a company called 21st century toys and dragon models were making these military figures. Well, one day at this club meeting, I said to Ron, why don't you sculpt some heads? You know, we got all these, these, these people in our club who are a bit like military fans. Why don't you do the cast of match? Yeah. And so he did Hawkeye and he did BJ and he did Charles and, uh, and we casted them and made them and we put them on these 12 inch figures and, and, uh, the 21st century toy body or GI Joe bodies with clothes were already there. So all we had to do is paint the head, and glue it on the figure. Yeah. Boom, done. So we were doing this before hot toys came along. Okay. Hot, toy, hot Toys come along and crushes the collectability market. I mean, photorealistic, you know, you can't compete with the Asian market as far as quality and, and, uh, and whatnot. And then they're selling figures for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. So we're selling heads online for 25, 50 bucks. I sold figures that I made, complete figures, all over the world. Um, anywhere from 100 and a quarter to like $600. Hot Toys comes along, kills all that. So that market dies. Um, and then I've been doing customizing. Like I, I did a couple figures. Um, like I casted the the the, um, the Alfred E. Newman head. Oh, from, I love that from the um, the DC Direct figure. And I made I started doing Alfred E. Newman customs. So I did him as Indiana Jones. I did him as Captain Kirk. Did him as Wolverine. This is mm-hmm. like the last one I had. <coughs> um, <clears throat> and then I just started doing other types of custom figures and kit bash. I did that for a long time. And then I've been collecting toys most of my life. And I kind of sold them. I didn't realize that there was a bootleg scene. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've been to a few con- I went to a few conventions way back in the day and I think I ran into the suck lord. Yeah. Did was he dressed like his did he do evil fet? No, he had well, he has lo- uh man, what fet- he does fetar. Yeah. But um but but there was a guy dressed like like uh, Evil Knievel with a Boba Fett helmet. And uh, I don't know if that's a suck lord or not, but it I ran could in, be. Who knows? I ran into him. I ran into a couple guys and I thought, wow, they're doing like resin, resin figures. This is mm. kind of interesting. And so that kind of went in the back of my head. Um, so, but I still wanted to do artwork. I still wanted to do posters and sketch cards and I wanted to make a living drawing. And, and so for a bunch of years, I tried doing that. I tried doing smaller shows and conventions like the $50 tables, you know, it's like pizza money. It's like not yeah. a $300 wizard world or big cons, but the small tables. 
And the past few years, it's just been, nope, nope, nope. You sit at a table for two days, sketching and drawing, you get, you maybe cover the table, mm -hmm. but you're not making any money doing it. And it was very disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that kind of stuff seems disheartening. I haven't had to, or I haven't gone to conventions yet and done that because I think that holds me back. Like that disheartening feeling of, man, I, I may not have even covered the table. Yeah. And well, and for me, because my artwork was, you know, I don't know, maybe not as polished or not as niche or not as mainstream, it just didn't click. And so I, I was putting a lot of time and effort into doing something and it wasn't getting a lot out of it, not, not just financially, but it wasn't fulfilling me. Mm. Um, I tried even doing my own comic strip for a while. It wasn't fulfilling me. And part of it was, all right, now what do I do? So uh, the year before COVID, I start getting into caricature. And so I start doing caricatures and I follow Tom Richmond, who's um, the heir apparent for Mad Magazine to Mort Drucker and Jack Davis. He's like their, their guy who kind of took over that style, does most of their movie spoofs, that kind of stuff. And Corona comes along, shuts everything down. And he's got this thing called the daily Corona culture. <laughs> and so he's like, he puts up a, an artist's every day, a different or a different actor or whatever. And one, and I'm drawing along and posting it and getting some likes and comments. And one day he decides to put up uh, Richard Pryor as the, the, um, the person to caricature. And I thought, okay, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor. How do I want to do Richard Pryor? Well, my absolute favorite Richard Pryor movie is The Toy. Okay. Have you ever seen The Toy? I have not. The Toy is a very politically incorrect film. Okay. <laughs> 30 second breakdown of the movie, The Toy. Richard Pryor plays a struggling writer looking for a job. He's unemployed. He interviews at a big department store that's owned by Jackie Gleason. He interviews with Ned Beatty. He gets a job working as a cleaning person, cleaning lady. <laughs> um, and um, he gets, Jackie Gleason gets his kid, who's played by Scotty Schwartz, one week a year. And he gets the kid and he takes him to the store. Uh, his yes man, Ned Beatty, or mm -hmm. Beatty, um, takes him to the store one night and says, you pick out anything you want in the store. Richard Pryor is cleaning the store after hours and he's dancing around. And, and uh, he looks at Richard Pryor and he says, I want that. And he's like, oh, he wants the Wonder Wheel. No, he wants the man, the black man. <laughs> it's like, Ned Beatty's like, no, 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 no. That's yeah. slavery. No, we don't do that. Yeah, and yeah. So he goes up to Richard Pryor and tells him like, yeah, he, the kid really wants you to come home with him. And he's like, kid's crazy, right? And he's like, no, no, he's not. So can we rent you? So they end up renting him for a week. Oh my gosh. Again, politically incorrect 80s film, Richard Pryor made it. So you know how Richard Pryor is. Yeah. If he made the film, it's like, well, shit, I made the fucking film. You know, it's, yeah. you should be okay with it. So anywho, long story short, I made this, this card of Richard Pryor. I love that. And in one scene, he's like wearing Spider-Man pajamas and yeah. as, the, as the toy, you know? And so I'm like, I make this and being a toy collector, um, I thought to myself, well, shit, why don't I just sculpt it and make the toy and make it? And so then what I did was I took it there. Yeah. So you made the toy. I so love I made it. him. I made him as the toy. And I was getting ready to produce him and put him out there as my first bootleg. And I got an email from one of the other toy guys. He did a Brewster's Millions figure. I, I can't remember who. 
mm-hmm. off the top of my head. But he's like, be very careful with Richard Pryor. Their state, their estate is very litigious. They sent him a cease and desist. He put up one, uh, one uh, Brewster's Millions figures, and they sent him a C and D. And then as soon as I'm getting ready to produce this, George Floyd happens. Okay. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, I'm a middle-aged white guy making a bootleg action figure based on a black man who's basically bought by a white kid. Yeah, this isn't going to go yeah. over well. You know, my love, my love for cheesy, you know, politically incorrect 80s films aside, this is going to be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so I put him on the shelf. But then I started thinking about, okay, what other films from the 80s like that I love and enjoy? And if I'm going to do this, make some action figures, get back into resin casting, what could I do? We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have engine failure. We almost crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait. Salvation! Hooray! We're saved in DLP2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! So I started making a whole list of figures and I started casting stuff and I, start, I took um, a bunch of stuff out of my sketchbook and I was like, all right, I'll make. I'll make um, I casted a Mark's Zorro figure from three and three quarter inch from Gabriel or Gabriel mm-hmm. Zorro figure. And I'm going to do him as George Hamilton Zorro the Gay Blade. Okay. Um, and I cast him in different colors. Again, he's, that's a figure I haven't finished yet. I had a whole bunch of figures that I did pre-COVID. And then COVID comes along and George Floyd comes along. George Floyd comes along. We have home invasion. Oh my and gosh. We, and we decide to move. We're like, we need to move. So as soon as that happens, all of my life went into boxes. Mm-hmm. So I casted the Zorro the Gay Blade figures. I casted Ludo from Labyrinth, which I made out of a Sully figure, the Sully Happy Meal toy and a Ludo head from a gaming piece. All these figures that were like half done that I'm getting ready to release all go into storage for almost a year for us selling the house, you know, and then moving because it was contingent. We had to sell our house to buy a house. So finally, now in March, we moved here, which is Kingston, Illinois, which is out near DeKalb and Rockford, if you're, anybody's familiar with Illinois. Um, and now I'm starting to unpack and I'm starting to get up and running again and starting to do other things. Holy moly. A lot is being said in there. And that is, I think, my first thing that I think is so uh, tough is like, I always think about movies and uh, shows that don't age well. Like they yes. just they go through some stuff and they they say some stuff. Like my favorite show is The Office. Office trivia is my jam. <laughs> you and my sh- daughter would get along. It's one of her favorite shows. <laughs> and British version show, or U.S. version? U.S. I can't get through the British. I, I tried too. Same here. Yeah. I'm like I, I can't. No. <laughs> um, but that show doesn't age well just based off of how they talk to each other, how they reference each other, and um, there's, there's it, a lot of sexism. Yeah. And it gets worse and worse, the, like the further back you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think what's tough is if you produce something, it's seen as you inadvertently supporting it. And you're like, no, no, no. I just wanted, it was a movie that I have nostalgia for. And I just wanted to produce a figure. 
especially with the cultural climate of um, the incidents of George Floyd and stuff. Yeah. Good call yeah. on not producing that. <laughs> well, again, you know, I, I mean, I love the movie. I will stand by my, my fandom of the movie. I, yeah. I also, I will absolutely say it is absolutely politically incorrect. Yeah. But if Richard Fryer could make a movie that basically is a spoof on slavery, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, um, I talked to, to, to Peter of uh, Killer and he was just like, yeah, go ahead, release it. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. maybe, when I, maybe when I'm at that level, you know, then I can like, and, and maybe when the political climate comes down and people have a sense of humor again, I might revisit something like that. So I came up with this long list and it was like, all right, I had a bunch of, bunch of figures on plate, like uh, Sean Connery from Hunt for Red October, Zorro the Gay Blade. I was going to do John Ritter from Hero at Large. Um, a bunch of, bunch of 80s films that I had fandom of. But then I thought to myself, am I going to be going down the same road that I went down with sketch cards? Do mm-hmm. stuff that I love and I produce and nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, when I came here, first of all, I got into 3D printing and that was okay. another squirrel that got me off an aside um but then i started rethinking okay i started following everybody like i saw um master casters mm-hmm. on amazon and and, and I, I literally like watched it four times as i'm watching it i'm going on instagram and i'm liking and following everybody that's yeah. that's in that film to just kind of like see what the what the um the bootleg scene is like yeah um it's great because I, I've definitely discovered my true medium and I'm happy doing this stuff regardless of whether it sells. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody's always told me, well, do art for your sake. And it's like, yeah, but you want people to see it. You know, we don't work as artists. We don't create in a vacuum. Um, we want those likes. We want people. I mean, ultimately we want people to buy our, mm-hmm. but we also want it to just be appreciated and we want it to get a reaction. Yeah, that's true. I, I, you, I always go back and forth with that because I will produce something that I love. I try to produce only things that I love, but if we're being honest, this is the toy making podcast. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes we create meme toys and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, I've got a bunch in my head right now that I'm working on. Like, yeah. Like you, you go to a toy flea market and you see something and all of a sudden it's like, yep okay, I can do something with that. Yeah. Pick it up and it's like, okay, now it's on the list. <laughs> yeah. And so like, and I go through that constantly and I think um, we produce what we like, but you are you, right? So you're just trying to produce what you like, but who knows who else likes it. And I've had toys. So I've only been doing this for about a year. I Same have here. Oh, okay. The, the, so the, the bootleg on card stuff. Yeah, about a year. Yeah. So I, I've produced stuff that sat from... Oh man, my like second week of making until mm-hmm. maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It finally yeah. sold because someone scrolled back through or saw it or excuse me or whatever. And so it's that weird um, balance of I want to create what I love, but I also want to create something that gets art out in the world because I love being in this media, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, my first on the card bootleg was um, the Carbonite Kid. Yeah, I, I took um, the baby Yoda figure mm-hmm. and I got a Donald Duck carbonite figure. And I literally like old school molded, casted, put put the kid in carbonite mm-hmm. because I drew in my sketchbook one day just a picture of sad baby Yoda before he was known as Grogu. This was back when there was only season one of the Mandalorian out. 
And so I cast them and I, and I created a card in Photoshop and I put my artwork with Sad Yoda with Mando walking away in the background. And the joke was, what if he just said, fuck it, this kid ain't worth it. And yeah. him. <laughs> you know, and so I, I was like, this is going to be hot. I made mold. I made a gang mold, you know, where it's like a big round mold with like eight pieces. So I could pour eight at one time. Mm-hmm. And I did 25 of them and I carded them and I made my own blisters because at the time I didn't know where to get blisters. So mm. I, I did a vacuum form and I got the PETG and got a, got a, a buck and I vacuum formed it and, and made it. And I sold two. Oh, and then um, bootleg Bonanza came along and he's like, Hey, I'm opening a store. Do you have anything? And I'm like, well, I've got these figures, you know? And I, I'm like, I'm new to the scene. I haven't sold very many, but I've got like, 23 or 24 left are you interested he's like oh yeah definitely you know and we worked out a deal and i i sold him to him outright he wanted to consign it i'm like i i need some money right now i'd rather just cut you a deal you sell them for whatever you want you don't have to worry about paying me and because he was opening the store and he wanted to build up product inventory he, he was like yeah absolutely you know and he said you're not going to undercut me and make more and i'm like no if i make more you'll be the first to know i'll you know it'll do a glow in the dark edition or something you let me know if they sell and you sell out and you want more, you come to me first and I'll make you more. But yeah. That was the first thing. And that was pre, pre-move, pre-George Floyd, um, back old school resin. And then, then when I packed up life and I came here, I'm unpacking and trying to get moving and I'm 3D printing. And I'm like, you know, I just, I want to make something and I want to make it now and I want to mm. get it done. So I decided to do some kit bashing. And I went downstairs in my collection and I'm like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And I found all these reaction Star Trek figures and, and Big Bang Theory, Biff Bang Pow figures and, I'm, and then Star Wars figures. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I took Star Wars and Star Trek and crossed them over. And I did yeah. Star Wars in the style of the 66 original Trek mm-hmm. with Han Solo as Captain Kirk, Luke Skywalker as Bones. Princess Leia is Uhura. And then I did a red shirt with a stormtrooper helmet on because it's like, they're both pretty useless. They both get shot yeah. and killed. Yeah. Um, and I did my first auction last week and they, and I sold the set. So, yeah. But, but the thing was when I posted them, I did a reel because uh, one of the guys you interviewed, one of the British guys was like, Rainbow Yon. Reels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Rainbow Yon. And he's like, Reels is the shit, and I, and I I did I took his advice because I do listen to the show and I do try and grab snippets, mm-hmm. and I got like five thousand likes in like two minutes, and I'm like, whoa, this is some powerful crazy shit. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, haven't haven't repeated that, but it got noticed, and then even Dove Dove Kelmer came to me and he said, you should really cast this, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm I'm gonna make some molds. Um, I don't know how many I'm going to do down the road um, because again, I was kit bashing and then, then I was buying figures on eBay and it's like, well, I need more reaction figures and I need, need more star Wars figures and star Wars figures. I could get, I, I, there's a place in Chicago I could buy bodies for a buck. I'm just pulling the Luke heads off mm-hmm. the Luke Leia yeah. and, um, and Han heads, but the reaction bodies were like 10, 12 bucks a pop. And I'm like, it's not sustainable. Me keep keeping to buy these. I'm going to have to mold them at some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you have something good that is either Star Wars based or something that is repeatable and sellable when Dove reaches out and he's like, yeah. hey, you should do this. 
odds are he he knows his market and he knows his scene well enough. Yeah. So yeah. So, so I sold one set on eBay, and um, the thing about eBay is it's like how much do you charge? How much do you start the auction out at? How much are you yeah. going to make? Um, versus just putting it up on um, like a website because I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to build a big cartel mm-hmm. site and just put them up for a flat fee and see how that does. Because, you know, I'm not um, uh, Readful Things or, or um, Dan O'Brown yet, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like I put a figure up and it sells for $600. You know, I'm not that guy yet. Yeah. Maybe I'm never, maybe I will be, maybe I never will be, but, um, but I just need a little stability yeah. in saying, okay, here, here they are. Come and get them. Yeah. I think, um, because you sold the one set, I don't know that Dove can release them at a convention, but just the fact that he has, like you have the approval like that on it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, Dove won't sell anything that's got a brand name on it. Yeah. If you put star Wars or star Trek, you won't sell it because of the copyright liability. Yeah. And even though I put Star Wars in the Star Trek font, that might be a double whammy. That yeah. would probably say, not interested, unless I came up with a different name or changed it and flipped it where it was just like, it's obvious it's a Star Wars, Star Trek crossover, but there's no branding on it. And yeah. also Dove wants 20 to 25 minimum. Mm-hmm. And I, I've only made five sets of these because they're kid bash. I haven't done any casting. Yeah, 20 to 25 seems daunting. It's not as daunting as you would think once you start the process. Well, but man, again, been there, done that with yeah. the child. And I didn't even I didn't even paint him. Yeah. Um, because when I casted him, I I used like um not mica powder, but the te- kind of like metallic powder that you mix yeah. in the resin that makes it look like gunmetal. Mm-hmm. And I just casted him in gunmetal because I'm like that's perfect. That's amazing. I'm not I'm not painting him. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm interested because if you you are mixing the two worlds that we use the most, right? Like graphic design and toy making. Mm-hmm. So your backers, because I saw the Star Wars Star Trek crossover and the backers are really clean. Yeah. So like to the point where... We interrupt this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth 2 Aliens have landed, Earthling. I want lowbrow art and bootleg toys. Toys, 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 toys. Well, you come to the right place. Earth to Kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi, lowbrow, and art bootleg toys. Toys, toys, toys. They're located over there at 836 Main Street, Covington, Kentucky. Toys, toys. They carry original art, vintage action figures, designer bootleg toys, and toys, 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 and t-shirts. Designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists. Thank you, Earthling. I enjoy Earth to Kentucky. I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. Toys, 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 toys. Hey, look at that over there. It's a spaceship. Yeah. I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now. www.earthtokentucky.com. That's earth2kentucky.com. Or just land your spaceship when they're open. Like everything is measured out and like you have an eye because there are things like where our eyes generally go when you look at an image. There are things that should be there and where our mm-hmm. eyes don't go, there's nothing there. And so, like, what's that process like being coming from such a hardcore graphic design world to this? Like, how do what's that well, like? It's kind of intuitive. I mean, I mean, I did study the fundamentals of graphic design. So I know mm-hmm. about things like color theory and tangents and, and things you should do, things you shouldn't do. Coming up with something that's pleasing and deciding it could be anything from, okay, I'm going to blow up the fonts 10 more percent because it looks too small. A lot of times it's just, I do it on the fly. Uh, yeah. I got a certain template. Let me put it to this way. My 
master Photoshop file got so big, it changed from PSD to PSB. It's like in the gigabytes. And I had to, and wow. it was taking like 20 minutes to save. <laughs> so I actually started a new file and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to like save them as individual files versus having this big giant master with all my yeah. cards in it. Um, but for me, it's just like, the, the beautiful thing is these are six by nine card backs. Yep. So you don't need high resolution pictures. So most of the pictures I'm just sourcing on the internet and finding something that's like 1200 by 700 pixels or whatever and, mm. and copying that for like the Captain Kirk body and the Han Solo head. And then just putting it in together in Photoshop and doing some clone stamp and doing some erasing and some shading and making the heads seamless, mm -hmm. you know? Which is like, it is amazing even how you phrase that, that you're like, you're shading and shaping and making it seamless. There are toy artists that don't take as much time and it shows mm -hmm. on their backers. Like not that their yeah. backers are bad. No, no. But you can it's, tell it's, our skill sets. Right, right. And for me, it was just like, okay. Um, because I did do a lot of graphic design in the 90s. I worked for a client um, who, who sold Doctor Who memorabilia. And I won't mention his name because he doesn't deserve my, my, uh, my shout out to him. <laughs> he eventually, he treated me like a commodity and, uh, and we parted ways. But I did a lot of design for him yeah. um, based on throwing uh, photo collage together mm -hmm. for prints and posters. And uh, so I've got a lot of experience with it. And when you get to that point, it's like, okay, it's like anything else. Um, I'm not a digital sculptor yet. That's that to me is like starting over. I want to I want to learn that skill set because now that I'm into 3D printing, I think that's the next frontier is sculpting my own figureheads and and making my own figures based on that. Um, but the graphic design portion, um, my skill set in that is much better than my drawing and illustration abilities. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point where I was like, instead of doing, I mean, my Richard Pryor is not bad, but instead of doing him and drawing him and having to fight and work on well, the eyes in the wrong place. The eyes are too close. I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to photo collage stuff because I, yeah. I kick ass at that. You know? Yeah. So here's the question that I, that I have, especially when we find like our strengths and whatever we're doing, have you thought about being the person? Cause I haven't seen this existing yet. Mm -hmm. So in all the people I've talked to all the interviews, um, more often than not, when we do collaborations with each other, like one of us will take on one thing, one of us will take on the other uh, yeah. versus like toy sculpting or whatever. Have you ever thought about being the guy that we go to for the scene of like, oh, we need a backer design that's like aesthetically pleasing. Have you thought about being that you know, guy? I, I have thought about it, actually. And you know what? I'm, I am open to that for anybody who's listening to this podcast. If they want to do a collab, I'm, I'm doing a collab with another artist right now. I'm not going to talk about it because it's just a, it's a 3D printing thing. He doesn't have a printer and I do, and he's and I'm helping him out um, by doing some, some prints and some print, you know, test prints for him. So I'm always open to collaboration. Um, if there's anybody out there who's, who's got, you know, a figure idea and they're, they can do their figure, but they, they're not confident in their skills. Um, and I've even given a lot of free advice online. People have contacted me and say, Hey, how do you do this? And I don't mind doing that. The, the thing that annoys me is when they ask you the Excalibur question. And which, the Excalibur, is that, which is what? So the Excalibur question is like, when I was, a, when I was struggling to be a comic book artist, it was like, mm. what, what pen do you use? 
you know, what, what pencils do you use? What paper do you use? Yeah. Thinking like, if I can get that pen and paper, then I can wield the sword of Odin <laughs> and I will be as good as you. And it's just, no, it doesn't yeah. work like that. So somebody, like somebody asked me the other day and I was very cordial and polite about um, painting a certain type of figure and I'd never painted mm. a figure before. And so I said, well, you know what? I, I was kind of like, I was having a bad day. And I said, look, there are no guarantees. I haven't painted this type of figure before. I can tell you what works for me. Mm -hmm. and, and what I've done is I've used this set of paints. Give it a shot. I mean, yeah. we're, all, we're all pitching darts here and seeing what sticks. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's failure. But nothing teaches better than failure. Yeah, which I think, yeah, I, uh, I think I, I try to be as open as possible. I don't care what people yeah. ask for. If you ask I, how I do it, I will make you a video of yeah, how I'm, I do I'm, it. I'm totally not a gatekeeper. I'm anti-gatekeepers. Yeah. Um, you know, I will give of my time as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but everybody's time is limited, you know, so it's like I can, I can give as much advice, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the cowboy. I can lead you to water, but I can't make a drink. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I, yeah, I'm interested because I'm waiting for someone to take up that, um, that mantle almost. Cause I do know, like, um, there's all kinds of collabs that happen between people and you hear about them and, uh, one of them designs the card back and one of them does the figure, but to have one person that's like, oh yeah, I like dub well, for instance, like dove, if you wanted to do a figure, if you go mm -hmm. back and listen to that interview I had with him, yeah, he has people that can make it happen for you. Right, I did, I remember hearing that. Yeah, he's yeah. got people who can cast the mold for you. Yeah, yeah, um, and with that, he still would say that it's your idea. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. my head, it's like you could be the card back person. He has my, I would be open to that. It would. Mm -hmm. it, here's the thing. It, it all depends on on the financials and the time and effort. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. My concern with with putting my shingle out and saying I'm that guy is that I'm going back to dealing with graphic design clients again. Mm -hmm. Dealing with, well, I don't like this. Can you move this an inch over this way? Can you move this an inch over that way? Well, can you make this look more 3D? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then it becomes yeah. like graphic design. And I don't want to be that guy. I've been yeah. there. I've yeah. done that. I've got the t-shirt. Um, again, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, would you mind helping me on one project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm open to people DMing me and saying, hey, I could use a card back. You know, what do you charge for it? And mm -hmm. we can talk about things like that. Um, but as far as setting my shingle out and saying, yeah, I'm the card back guy, I, I want to work on my own stuff. Um, yeah. I want to focus on my own projects and whatnot. And if somebody like Dove wants to hire me to do a card back or, or, or anybody else for their own specific figure, yeah, I would, I would definitely entertain that. But mm -hmm. as far as saying, here's what I do, I do, because I did that when I was a, when I was a, a 2D artist. I said, I do sketch cards, I do posters, I do you know, I do graphic design, I do flyers, I do print ads, I do this. And then again, you get people nitpicking like, well, you know, the Godzilla logo needs to come down here and I want him flipped the other way and then this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And then it gets to the point where there's no fun in it because you're taking all the creativity out of it. Yeah. Kind of like that podcast you had with Dollar Slice mm. where, he, where he said, you know, if you're going to hire an artist for their ability, just let them go, let them do their thing. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of artist I am. Hey, I'll do the thing and, you know, I'll give you one or two revisions. And if you don't like it, then, then that's that. But I'm not going to be, you know, micromanaged to the point where it's like, here, can you draw this, but draw it in Jack Kirby style? No, then 
Go hire Jack Kirby to do it. Yeah, I, I can draw it in Toysaholic style. That's where right, I'm at. Right, right. Yeah. And I've had people come up to me and ask me for sketch cards, but can you do it in this style? And it's like, no. Or they give me a re photo reference of like a, a two, two, two megabyte JPEG. And it's like, you want me to make this 11 by 17? No, it doesn't work like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, and I think that that's, yeah, it's just a cool, it's always cool to see um, artists that are being able to blend some stuff and to have a talent. Like I wouldn't say I'm awful at graphic design and I wouldn't say that I don't know where things go, but I would also say I am maybe average in the middle of the class if I'm lucky. Like it's yeah. just because that just wasn't my skill set growing up. Art is not my it's what I love to do. It's not my base. Right. Yeah. I think that the greatest class I took when I was in college was typography mm -hmm. because you learn about letting and kerning and font usage and, and what letting and kerning mean, you know, you know, the, the non-digital uh, yeah. explanations of them and you learn font placement and what works well together, what doesn't, you know, not using too many fonts and we interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this. The bootleg button. Okay, dude. Why am I at the library? Shh, I'm looking for the bootleg Bible. The bootleg Bible? Shh. Yeah, it's a beginner's guide to bootleg toy making. It helps aspiring artists make their own toys. You can order it at bluemondaypress.com. Wait, we can order it? That's right, the bootleg Bible, a guide to bootleg toy makers, published by Blue Monday Press. Includes interviews with bootleg artists like The Suck Lord, Rykov, Obvious Plan, Larby World, Marquee Marauders Club, Bendor, Trap Toys, and art from a whole host of other artists all around the world. Also includes a step-by-step -step beginner's guide to bootleg toy making. So order yours today at BlueMondayPress.com. Why are we even at the library? I don't know. Shh. The Bootleg Bible. Order now at BlueMondayPress.com. And balance. You know, yep. it's, it's all balance. And that's, again you know, my education is different than everybody else's. Yeah. So we have this part of your life, the toy world. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the cooking world because apparently okay. you were a chef at one point. I was a chef at one point. So, okay. Another way back trip. Um, yeah. I uh, went to college for graphic design and my wife lost the job. We lost our financial aid and I had to drop out of school. Mm -hmm. Six months later, Sally Mae comes along and says, hey, we want our money back. And I was like, hey, I want my degree. I can't get a job. So yeah. the only way to keep them off my back was to go back to college. And the only college I could afford was junior college. So and I thought to myself, well, this was after struggling for five years trying to get um, trying to get clients to be a graphic designer. And I couldn't do it. I'm like, well, I need something that is not going anywhere, you know, that's always going to be available and cooking. I've been cooking bacon and eggs and breakfast since I was, you know, seven years old. So I went to culinary school. So I went to culinary school for two years and started working in culinary for five years. And I've done everything from restaurants to uh, catering companies, retirement homes, pizzerias. Pizza was my specialty at the end of my career. I actually competed at the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas and came in second place in a, a non-traditional international division. Love that. And then a month afterwards, I got fired. Oh, my gosh. And at that point, that was like the third job that I got fired from. The first one was my fault. The second two weren't. And I basically had burnt out. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of working 60 plus hours a week making this bare minimum. And I'm like just creeping. I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, I took a year off and ran unemployment into the ground. 
And then basically the day my unemployment ran out, somebody walked up to me and handed me a flyer to become a school bus driver. And that's my current day gig. They're like, have you ever thought about it? And I was like, yeah, I kind of I have. And so that's what my day job is. But the great thing about that job is, it, is it's like two to four hours in the morning, two to four hours in the afternoon. I got a five hour gap in the middle of the day where I can come home and work on my artwork mm-hmm. and work on my figures. So I, you know, I take advantage of that time, come home, take care, take care of that stuff. And then when my wife comes home from work and I get home from work, then I can spend time with my family at night. Yeah, that's the ultimate setup. Like that kind of a setup is amazing to have that block where everyone is gone. It's just you and the artwork. So like, because that was going to be the next question. How do you work and balance all these things? Because I think it's an incredible, when I talked, I talked to very few full-time artists. We all, Yeah, yeah, we all have a day job. Yeah. And you see artists that are like, pumping out work after work after work and then they also have a day job and that's (laughs) like oh my gosh like you're you're killing it um and so like how what is when you look at your artwork and when you look at your day job when you look at your family so all this together where do you see yourself going with your bootleg figures with the this type of medium where are you headed um that's a good question. I ask myself that all the time. And it's like, cause I've got lots of things right now in, in planning and process and a lot of projects that are half done that I want to finish. So for the rest of this year and probably the beginning of next year, I just want to finish up what I've already started, mm-hmm. um, including all my old resin projects, which are collecting dust. Um, and because I'll come up with a new idea every day uh, and want to do a run on it. And I'm like, no, just first of all, slow down. So I want to build my audience. I just hit 500 followers on Insta, which was, was a huge achievement for me. And I want to build a following. I want people to, to get to know who I am and, and as an artist. Um, ideally, yeah, I would love to be like killer, you know, where you know, I've created an original character and that character takes off. Or, or maybe at some point learn to digitally sculpt and work for Super 7 or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or like you said, uh, maybe I become a graphic designer for them. Maybe I start doing, dis- you know, cards or whatever, or card bags for small and upcoming companies. Again, I'm open to that. Um, somewhere down the road, would I love to make this full-time job? Yeah, but am I, oh my God, if I don't do that, am, am I a failure in life? No, because I did that, I, I put that expectation on myself for almost 20 years with my 2D art. Like I have to become a professional artist. I have to do this for a living. And it took a toll on me, depression and stress and anxiety-wise. Um, again, I was very unhappy doing sketch cards and stuff until I did the toy caricature card. Mm-hmm. Nothing clicked. And when, when I did this, it clicked. And that's when I found you know, the bootleg scene. And I'm like, okay, this is something I can do. This is something that will, will fulfill me, fill that hole that I've got in here as an artist that continually needs to be filled and if i make some some money doing it great um but again just getting it out there and getting the likes and the views i've gotten more new followers i get about three to five followers a day mm-hmm. which i'm happy with I, i'm not to the point where i'm going to purchase you know a friend of mine's like well you can purchase more eyeballs and i'm like yeah but are those real real people yeah are, you know i don't know i don't know a lot about that like usually like, bots and stuff yeah, I'm like, I would rather have 500 real eyes mm-hmm. looking at my stuff. Um, 
to me, that's, that's, that's worth something. So yeah. I, I guess at some point, yeah, I want to have, I want to be known. Um, and I would love to go to, to um, um, DKE Con or Designer Con, you know, probably not this year with COVID and everything. You know, Delta's on the rise. I'm, I'm supposed to go out to Salt Lake City for a convention in September, and I'm kind of on the fence about that. Um, not not to do a sh- not to do a show. Just uh, I do another podcast, and we'll get to that at the end of the, end of the episode. Tell you about all that other stuff where you can find me. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I just I want to get get my stuff out there and get known. And and uh, I would love to at some point up my game. I think part of what I did with my artwork was you get to a point where you you can't level up. And so what's the next thing leveling up? You know, I mean, I've learned magnetic articulation. I haven't done a lot of it, but I'd like to level up like um, has no talent or Healy made where they're doing, you know, either glycose pins mm-hmm. or they're, or they're getting stuff manufactured overseas on a, on a quick turnaround, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I want to do it with something original. I don't want to do it with something that Disney owns that can soon be into the stone age. Because yeah. I got a feeling like at some point, you know, those people are going to get shut down. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a fickle thing. We have a, a big series, me and Yo-Yo Dine coming up uh, for the podcast. It's going to be like six parts and we're going to talk about um, culture hacking and like who is stolen from who and all those things. And so we're excited about that. Well, let me throw this out to you because, and maybe this is a topic for your, for your podcast. So. We're bootleggers, right? So I started doing 3D printing, and I, I found these websites that do, like, these 3D miniatures. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they do them as, like, 28-millimeter miniatures, mm-hmm. and they sell the STL files. But they have a disclaimer saying, you know, you can use these for your personal use, but you can't reprint them, you can't mm-hmm. sell them, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so here's the, here's the sticky wicket. If I go to a resale shop and I buy a Thomas Kincaid painting and I paint Godzilla and I make prints of it, is it still a Thomas Kincaid? Now, yeah, if, I, if, so. if, I print, if I print these at 28 millimeter and I sell them, I'm a douchebag. Mm-hmm. But if I take this apart and I take the head off and I put the head on a real action figure and then I paint the whole thing and I sell that, first of all, it's all fan art because it falls under the realm of fan art. Mm-hmm. So they don't own the IP for the digital files they're making. They're making money off of somebody's IP they don't own. So they're technically bootlegging. Now we're bootlegging part of them. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Killer about this and I was like, am I a douchebag for doing this? He's like, no, because you're, you're a bootlegger. This is what we do. You're not, you're not just cloning their files and selling their files. You're, do, you're taking a part of it and doing something different. with it. Yeah. And it, and it, that's, you know, that I, I struggle with things like that because it's like there's all these great digital files out there mm-hmm. that you can purchase and you can print and you can paint up and you can do stuff with. But it's also like, is it fan art? Because they don't have a copyright. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's weird. Yeah, here's the reality, right? If I bring a lawyer in, we're all going down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so, so, so they, could, they could come back to me and say, hey, you need to shut this down or you get a CMD. And I'm like, well, do you want to you want to send me a CD? That's fine, but then you're going to get a CD from Disney. Yeah, so and Disney's a big boy, man. They own Star Wars now. So these yeah. guys who are doing these these miniatures and they're calling them whatever. They're not calling them stormtroopers, but they're they're stormtroopers. It's like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, luck with that. It becomes a, um, I don't know what the word to use is, maybe a shit show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because everyone in the scene, from what I can tell, is there's a type of courtesy amongst everyone, right? So oh. if you see someone creating something, don't be a dick and also create it. But also if you do, this is kind of the scene we're in. You're just going to make some enemies. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's be, be a good guy, you know. And, and again, part of it is just, okay, I've taken a piece of this mm-hmm. and I've used it. I'm not using the entire piece. I've done it at a different scale. So it's not even competing with the market that you're selling this stuff to. Um, but again, it's also like, So there's an artist, when I was in the art scene, he did these Mm -hmm. ginormous uh, hand-sketched drawings of famous movie stars, and they're photorealistic. Mm -hmm. And and everybody from Iron Man to Batman 66. And I asked Corey one day, and I'm like, how do you get away with selling all these prints? How do you not get shut down? Because he he goes to Wizard World, and he buys a corner, not an artist alley in the dealer's area. He's making bank on this. And I'm like, how are you not getting cease and desist? And he's like, there's a loophole. And I'm like, tell me, what's the loophole? He's like, I hand color the eyes on every single piece. Mm. By doing that, it makes that piece an original work of art and falls under the realm of original art because I've hand touched every piece. So again, I'm I'm 3D printing a figure, but I'm hand painting every figure. Makes every figure an original piece. Yeah, it's that idea. What was that artist that put a mustache on the Mona Lisa? Yeah, exactly. And which... So I fall into a weird camp, right? Everything is art. Anything can be art. We've mm-hmm. That's been proven over and over again with all kinds of different things. Here's the problem. Like, should it be? That's always the question <laughs> I go back to is like, everything is art. But like, should you do this? You, you know, I was walking. Here's, here's a good example. Two things happened, both the same, both from two different people. And it changed how I do things. Okay. So uh, I was talking to my best friend. He's the reason that I do Yucko toys. And um, before I started making toys, I was drawing and stuff and he was just having a bad day. And I sent him over one of my things and he was like, dude, just produce your own work. Because I was using stuff from other people. And though he was having a bad day and he apologized for how it came out, the realness behind it was true. There was another time I sent something to Dollar Slice uh, for his, whatever, the I don't remember the exact name, the review show he has. And it was uh, a couple of funny pieces I sent him. And he was like, these are cool. I wish you would just produce your own work though. And let's see what you got. Yeah. Which is and like, those are real. That's, those are real statements. Right. And, and that's kind of where I want to get to at some point. I mean, I am enjoying doing the crossover and the mashups. Yeah. And I've got a few more mashups coming down the road. <clears throat> um, I'm not done with, with, with Star Trek. Uh, and, and I can show you this because nobody else is going to see it. But this is one of my mashups coming. Oh, I can't wait for everyone to see it because I love yeah. how it looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And then I've already, I've already started working on the figure. You can see That's I took great. the actual pant legs off the actual regular yeah. figure and, and mashed it up. So this is going to be one that I cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's coming down the road. But I, do I want to get past doing mashups and do original stuff? Yeah. But um, that's just going to take time. You can't force something original. You've just got to have ideas that flow and come naturally. And yeah. I want to get back to sketching in my sketchbook and just see what pops up. 
And if something original comes up, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah, I'm going to do mashups and memes and, and funny little shit that just pops into my head. Um, this is another figure. I don't know if you can recognize the movie it's from with John Candy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just saw this figure in the store and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. You know, and it was just one of those things that popped up. I'm like, that's a quick fix. That's a quick, okay, shave and paint, slap it on a card. And these will be one-offs. I'm not going to mold this, you know, because who yeah. knows whether it's going to, you don't want to invest the time in molding and casting when you may not do nothing. Yeah. Know? I think so why do, this scene is so powerful, so amazing, is there's a place for all of these, right? Mm -hmm. We need people that just do kick bash and we need people that want to focus on that. We need people that make um, these meme toys. We need people that make original art because the scene like bootlegging and culture hacking and all this, like it, it's something amazing, right? Like Sucklord produced that figure. I don't remember what it was called, the invisible maker hand or something yeah. like that. And there was nothing in it. But right. the beauty was that the inside the secondary blister that holds the piece yeah. was actually molded around something so there was right. a piece there yeah it looked like a hand or whatever yeah it was like, it was like the, the the negative of a hand yeah so i think that there i don't ever want to tell people like stop doing like this type of bootleg art because it's like no like that this is what the scene is for like do what you're gonna do it's amazing i love it yeah, and just do it to the best of your ability. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of why I, I do what I do. Um, I want it to look professional. I want it to be like you blink and you're like, wait a minute, was that is that a real thing? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, you know, the reaction with the Star Trek Star Wars mashup was like, okay, some were like, I love it. Some were like, that's just wrong. You're going to hell for it. <laughs> you know? and it's yeah. like, okay, maybe I am, but it looks like, you know, it could be in the stores, you know, and yeah. and. It, but if you're doing, you were saying how some people, their, their quality of their cards aren't there. That's okay too, because yeah. they're working with the skill set they've got, the best of their ability. And, and uh, I've purchased some toys from some guys that, that you know, in my opinion, their, their, their work isn't up to mine. But mm -hmm. I, I try not to let, I try not to compare myself with other people because that's when you get into the imposter syndrome and oh, my work sucks. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. You know, and um you know, you're, we're all doing the best we can with what we've got. Yeah. And I think there are so many people I look up to and I think like, man, one day my work will get there. One day yeah. my painting will get there. And mm -hmm. there's who knows, like I was once told everyone is someone else's Banksy. Like there right. is someone yeah. that looks at your work and says like, I'll buy it anywhere. Like, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody, I mean, they reached out to me the other day and were like asking me a question and they're like, well, I came to you because you're like an expert. And I'm like, oh man, you have no idea how much that fed my ego. It's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'd be happy to give you advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think when I, as a side note, when I see that mashup toy, the Star Trek, Star Wars toy, I keep getting these uh, ads on Instagram for, I think. Ended content. Yeah, is it GalaxyCon or something too that comes? I, I up? don't, I don't know. I get, I got an ad like when I posted it. It said this looks like branded content. Or no, that was when I posted my Dan O'Brown figure. Oh yeah, yeah. It said this looks like branded content. You know, and it was like, and it won't go away from the top of my Instagram feed. And I keep trying to click. No, it's not. No, it's not. And it just won't go away. So yeah. Well, like I see things like that, or like I, um, there are conventions depending on what I post or what I talk about or whatever conventions different ones will pop up 
Mm -hmm. And GalaxyCon has been, or I don't know if that's even SpaceCon or something, is the one that keeps popping up. And I think the funniest thing would be to have your toys just show up. Like, don't tell anyone who that you're going to be there or anything and just have them show up on a hangar there. Because people are going to walk by that love Star Trek and see it and be pissed. Same thing with Star Wars. And it's just the perfect conglomerate. Yeah. Well, somebody asked me once, like, why? Yeah. And, and I said, okay, well, here's the story why. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, it was, I wanted to, I wanted to do a kit bash that was quick that I could finish in a day. Mm-hmm. And the figures themselves I did in a day. It was just like, I was like a mad scientist cobbling together. Okay. That looks good. That looks good. And I've got, I've got a series two that's going to get casted at some point, oh, but I, I what I have, but I haven't like, I'm, I'm like series one right now. I got to deal with one series at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest debate, back in the day when I was a kid on the playground was what's better Star Trek or Star Wars. Mm. And there was no next generation. There was no deep space nine. There was no, it was, it was TOS versus Star Wars. And I had a neighbor who lived upstairs from me. He was a Trekkie and he got me into Trek, but we would be like, no, Star Wars is better. Star Trek is better. And so on the playground, that was like the big philosophical debate when you were a kid in 1980 something, you know, playing with your action figures was like, what's better. So, my, the little inner child in me was like, I'm just going to slap them together and, and really piss people off. Yeah, and it it's so good. So we are coming up already on the end of this podcast. Like, ah, so sweet. I love the end of these podcasts. It's a bummer that we don't continue them, but uh, because we get to plug everything about the artist. It's my favorite thing for Toys on Tap. So you've talked podcasts. You've talked uh, your different. I've seen all three of your Instagram accounts. Like, shoot everything out that you want wherever you're found how people can get a hold of you and get your figures this is all okay. about you um so i'm easy to find i'm toysaholics on instagram um i'm also toysaholics on ebay um that's my username not the store name the store name is my buddy uncle lego um but if you look up the username toysaholics that's me um my, my food uh, instagram is food fire and knives and my personal Instagram is Scott Pyburn, which is my name. It's P-Y-B-U-R-N. Um, if you want to see my, my 2D art, that's where I started. I started with the Scott Pyburn. Then I, then I branched off Food, Fire, and Knives. Um, and then I started Toysaholics with my toys. Um, uh, you can find me, like Instagram me. You know, I am message me. I'm really good about getting back there. I also do a, another podcast on the DVMPE network, dvmpe.com, uh, David Vox Mullen Podcast Empire. Uh, I do a podcast with, with uh, Kara Lensmeyer and Jonathan Vascar called The Comic Book Podcast. And we talk pop culture. We don't talk a lot of comics, but we talk movies, pop culture. <laughs> we review stuff like The Bad Batch and Loki and all the Marvel films and, and all that stuff coming out. Um, I've done a few shows. I did the show with you, the Ikea show. Um, yeah. And, you know, toysaholics at gmail.com. If you want to email me directly, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. You can instant message me. If you have an idea, you have a question, you want a card back made. Um, I typically don't do customs unless it's something I can throw together, kit bash relatively easily. Um, but if you need somebody to sculpt something, like I've recommended other artists, somebody came to me and said, Hey, when they saw the Star Trek figures, they're like, Hey, can you do a, do a, uh, original sculpt for me and I'm like no but I know a guy who can and I've recommended other people because mm. again you know I'm not a gatekeeper and if I can help out the the bootleg community the digital sculpting community that's what I'm all about love that hey thank you so much for taking time today being on toys on tap it means the world to everyone 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show. If you're not listening to the show, you need to be. Toys on Tap. Toys on Tap. Next episode. The next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now, though. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on Tap. Toys on Tap. The next one's going to be good, too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on Tap. Awesome.